Well, good morning, everyone. What a joy to be here with you today. Thank you for the applause. Goodness me. But this will be my last one probably doing in this role because next year I'm allowed to retire. Where do those years go? I don't know. Anne did it. I'm just following her example, really. So, anyway, just as we look at God's word together first, let's just bow again in prayer. Lord God, you created all things and they are all for your glory. From you, for you and to you we return. You made us in your image. How amazing is that? And we are made for you. And the deep shalom peace that we long for is only found in you. And the only way we can love as you love is to be in love with you. And so God, as we open your word, sometimes there's hard things to learn, but there's joy in sitting at your feet and listening. Teach our hearts today to fall in love with you more and more and to live for you that the whole world may know you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all. And may it be for your glory. And in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I love stories because I can usually remember them. I don't know if that works for you. Usually if they're an engaging story, easy to remember. And I sometimes wonder, you know, if there's lots of parables in the Gospels because that's what the disciples remembered. Because Jesus was this amazing storyteller. But what if... You don't like the truth behind the story. What if the story is trying to tell you, me, there's something in your life that you need to face up to and change? I'm not good at change. I don't know about you. Most of us, we don't like looking at those things that are tricky. This story is about a wedding. I like weddings. I don't know if others do, but I like going to weddings. My daughter was maid of honour to a wedding two weeks ago. It was on a Sunday. It poured with rain, but that didn't matter. They got married and it was beautiful. The bride and groom had only met six months earlier. They got engaged three months before the wedding. And my daughter was in a mad panic for them, trying to get and help get every venue organised, to get the outfits organised, the photographers, the hairdressers, everything that goes into a wedding. It was stressful, but it worked. It was beautiful on the day. Well, Jewish culture was a little bit different to that. You got told a long time in advance that this couple were going to be married. And I assume that meant that you didn't just pop down to the shop and buy them a gift. You needed time to help to make your gift for the bride or the groom. But also the groom would work hard on preparing a house where they were going to live. And when everything was eventually ready, a second invitation went out. Come now. It's ready. Just come. Come to the feast. Well, in this story, it's not just anybody who's getting married. It's the king's son. Now, I've never had this honour, but I can imagine, you know, like if I was invited to dine with the Prime Minister of Australia or the Queen of England or the leader of any country, that the correct response would be, thank you, I would love to come. And then you would wear your best outfit, you'd appear on time and you'd enjoy the event. I would assume. But 
doesn't work like this in this story. And it's interesting because the listeners don't know that the person who's talking to them is actually talking about a real wedding feast that will take place. And this wedding is for the King of Kings. And they have been invited. The problem is they don't recognise the significance of this invitation. And the response to the king's invitation is either brazenly rude, because in verse 5 it says they ignored the invitation, they paid no attention, they just went off. Or, verse 6, absolutely murderous. It says they seized, mistreated and killed the messengers. The religious leaders who were listening to Jesus tell this story, they would be well aware of what had happened to the prophets of old. That was their experience. Seized, mistreated, often killed for sharing the story. But they were also personally responsible because in their own day, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been seized and killed and there wasn't a word of protest from the religious leaders. In fact, they were probably secretly glad to be rid of him. Now, the activities that were chosen by that first group of guests, they're not bad. There was a field to plough. There was a business to run. But in life, sometimes legitimate things, God knows we need to survive and live. We need to earn an income. But there is a right time and place for that. And there's a right priority to give to God and to worshipping him. And they didn't have their priorities right. Other things took over. For other people, I don't know if you know people like this. I feel sad when I meet people like this. There's a willful contempt that anyone else should have any say over their life. They're the master of their own destiny and they will do exactly what they please. God has no place for them. The story is told many years ago in the colonial era of an African chief who had displeased the British government. So they decided they'd send a gunboat to punish him. Well, a runner came to tell the chief that the gunboat had entered the river that led to their village and that they needed to escape. Well, the chief didn't want to hear that news, so he had the runner killed. The next day, a second runner came to say, it's not very far away, the boat's only just a few kilometres away, we need to go now, we need to leave. And again, the chief didn't want to hear the news, so he had the runner killed. But to kill the messenger, it doesn't change or destroy the message. And it wasn't very long before there was the boom of cannons and that village was flattened like it was made of cardboard. To kill the messenger, it doesn't change. It doesn't destroy the message. And whether we violently reject or just indifferently neglect God, the invitation that's gone out, there's a wedding feast. It's the greatest of all. You're invited, but you won't be there unless you accept the invitation to come. In the
the ancient world, a wedding, and especially a royal one, would be eagerly anticipated. Most of life consisted of very hard labour just to put food on the table. So it's difficult to conceive that you wouldn't want to come. But the king's son deserved to have lots of excited guests at the wedding. So the invitation goes out wider. The ones that were supposed to be the invited guests, they're refusing to come. So let's ask anyone, everyone, you are welcome, no matter what your status in life, no matter what job you have, no matter what you look like, colour, doesn't matter. Just come. You are invited to this beautiful wedding feast. So people from all professions and all walks of life, they came. And the custom was that the king would provide the guests with suitable clothing for such an important occasion. So the poor wouldn't feel conspicuous and even the rich couldn't afford the grandeur of what the king could provide for this occasion. It's interesting, as the king mingles, he notices one guest who has refused the king's garments, thinking his own are sufficient. But coming to a wedding, it involved being bathed and then putting on these beautiful garments. And this guest hadn't done either. Do you know, I've heard some people say, you know, my good deeds, they should impress God. But when you hold your good deeds against what God offers, they look like filthy rags compared to his holy purity. Nothing but the beautiful gift of his son as we celebrate at the communion table. Nothing else brings us into God's presence wearing the robes of his righteousness. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says, My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Everything is provided. The invitation has gone out Come, come to this beautiful feast in God's presence. But make sure you're right, right with the Son, having been cleansed, forgiven, so that you can come clothed into God's presence. That invitation is issued to every human being, all made in God's image, all loved equally, all precious to God. He says, you come. Because we don't know when that second invitation is going to be, it's ready now, come now, all is ready. So we need to be ready whenever. And that's the story that's being told all around the world by those who absolutely passionately love and know the truth of God's word. And so when I talk to Varna in Bangladesh, I'm always encouraged to hear what's happening over there. What are they sharing? What are they doing? And in February, every year, they have their annual general meeting and they set their goals. And so these were the goals for this year, to see 200 people come to faith in Christ. You know, even that challenges my heart. You know, do I have a goal and a longing in my heart 
God, there's people yet to hear. It's, it matters. We read in the reading, there's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth. We don't like that bit of the story, do we? For those who don't, who refuse, it's not lovely, is it? It's only lovely to be at the wedding feast. That Their great desire is to see people come to know God, to wear those beautiful garments of righteousness. They've had a few storms in Bangladesh that have damaged some buildings. They're hoping to construct five new buildings. They want to print and distribute the Bible and songbooks for the Maru, the most marginalised of the tribal hill groups there in Bangladesh. Songbooks are beautiful because often they're illiterate, but they can look at the songs, they know the songs, and they can recognise words from the songbook and learn to read from that. And they're hoping to develop their youth ministry and their leadership training centre. At that same annual general meeting, six young people were baptised and giving their lives to serve God, which was beautiful to see. They've actually started on construction of two church buildings, one at Happy Hill, I like the name of that church, and one at Bassett Lang. And beautiful people like Elder Zigbuan um, are giving their lives to reach people with the gospel. In Papua New Guinea, we partnered with Gandet Bible College to train Christian leaders there. And this was the group of graduates from last year. But just before they graduated, they received a message from a a little church that had just been established in the northeast in a remote mountainous village saying, would you send us a preacher who could teach us about God? So Pastor Killian, I don't know which one he is, but he's one of those, has gone with his family. He's a different language-speaking group, so it is a sacrifice. You often think, same country, must be easy. They're just uprooting and going somewhere else. But it's not always easy. It can be quite cross-cultural in their own country. At Easter time, we usually run our Warp for Hope, our Easter campaign, And this year we chose the theme of thankfulness. We knew that the last two years have been pretty tricky with COVID. But the the greatest thing that we can do is to give thanks to God. It brings joy when we look for the things to be thankful for. So we chose that theme and many of our partners had talked about the things they are thankful for. But as soon as we'd chosen that, it seemed like the world went mad and Russia invaded the Ukraine. And so um, we partnered with Action by Churches Together. That's what ACT stands for in ACT Alliance. So there's churches in the Ukraine, in Poland, in Hungary, in Slovakia, in Romania, um, who are opening their doors of the churches, but their own homes as well, and partnering with people who have fled the the um, tumult of the invasion in their own country. And so they're helping to partner with basic things like food and water and shelter and psychosocial support, information on resettlement, child safe spaces, all the things that you need, cash vouchers, things like that, that they're providing um, there for them. And then, of course, in our own country, how amazing that they got a year's worth of rainfall in a very short um, a frame of time and so being able to work with and um, provide there some support as well. The the guy on the top right there, that's Jesse Skelly. He used to work with GMP, um, one of our Embody coordinators. He's now a minister in New South Wales and he opened his home so that um, people who had helped out in 
um, the crisis there could come basically to debrief but to pray together, share a meal together. And Joel Slab underneath, he talked about how um, young Indigenous guys got out canoes and actually helped to rescue people. But this trauma, even seeing like you're, you're sailing past people on roofs that are still desperate to be rescued and there was trauma even for those in the rescue efforts. And so that's been good to be able to meet together. It's really um, been good to be able to give some of our support too because lots of support has come in um, for that appeal. And Lois Johnson is um, Director of Arising Indigenous Community Aid and so we've been able to provide through them some bedding, food, tents, small electricals for Indigenous communities that are quite isolated as well. So that's been really good to be able to help out locally as well. In Vietnam, um, most of the countries where we partner, we provided some relief during COVID and um, they talked about how this year they've been able to provide three times the level of support in food, aid for families in crisis and medical support as well. But three new church groups have started up in Vietnam um, since COVID hit there, so we praise God for that as well. And in South Sudan, for five of the uh, internally displaced people groups, we've been able to just provide basic things like tarpaulins so that they can have a weatherproof place to meet for church as well. In South Sudan, one of the big um, projects that um, at the director of Christian Mercy International, Paulino, that we partner with there, had a vision. The rain has started to come later and later every year. So he had a vision to plant trees. The government's actually made a rule. He doesn't want any more trees cut down. So they've planted to date something like 5,000 seedlings and they're doing really well. But the aim is that they'll provide shade They'll provide food because most of those are fruit trees that they're planting but also to put some balance back into the climate. We've also um, just recently sent four farmers across to Uganda to work with foundations for farming to look at other ways that you can really help to increase your yield of crops. And so they came back very excited knowing how to test soil and how to mulch and do different things that weren't labour intensive nor did they need expensive equipment like oxen and ploughs and they're hoping to double or triple their yield there. In India, we partner with Hosanna Ministries in the slums in Mumbai and it was lovely to see that lots of the ladies that have been doing the sewing tailoring course there are also going on and doing a literacy course in the afternoon and they say that's beautiful because they learn to write their name and so often if you have to sign a document, if you can write your name, that gives dignity because otherwise you've got to carry round with you an ink pad and you've got to put your fingerprint at the bottom because you can't sign your name. So just basic little things bring joy. I think I've lost what happened to my next slide. I don't know where it went, Matt. <laughs> can you bring up my next one? Because that was not it. Unless, can I go back and do something? any rate, I'm not sure what I'm up to, but let me talk about here in Australia. Um, it was just lovely to hear because we partner with Indigenous ministries here in Australia as well. And it was just lovely to hear in Port Hedland with COVID, there was one young man who was quite fearful of what COVID could do in Indigenous communities that often has been quite tragic too. 
So he was quite fearful. Oh, no, let's go back to Zimbabwe. I'll come and tell you that story in a minute. So in Zimbabwe, um, churches, even during COVID, have been able to extend. Churches are often moulding their own bricks. So there's several chapels that are underway. And that church just had expanded so much they needed to um, build extra. And I can't forget this bit because this is where you really partner at Kailishli Children's Village. So we're really grateful for your partnership there. And um, lovely to see that school has continued. It's in the library, um, but all the kids at KCV have been kept safe and the workers there. Um, so schooling is happening right there. Uh, and Kosi, she has um, applied. There was three of the year 13 students that graduated at the end of last year and she's applied to do agriculture at university and she's really excited about that. But it was lovely to see because Colin Scott, our COCO director, has just been across. And so he said one of, like, the young people often go on if they haven't actually got a job, but they'll go on and do courses and they're still there at KCV, but um, they'll do plumbing or electrical courses or whatever. And one young man had done this course in upholstery. And so he then upholstered the lounges at KCV for them to change old lounges into beautiful new-looking lounges. So this was Christmas um, at KCV. So they often do a special something at Christmas time. So the house mums had cooked up the chicken and the sausages and all different sorts of meats. And they don't usually get a soft drink, so that's really um, special. So that was Christmas around the braai or the barbecue. And just lovely to hear that their crops are doing really well. They've got beans and beetroot and maize and cabbages and potatoes and all sorts of different crops that they actually grow for food and to sell. And they're selling live chickens as well. So um, when Colin went, you can see Colin just on the left under the tree there. He also went to look at the wells. And those of you who contribute and raise money for Safe Water September so wells can go in in Zimbabwe, really grateful for your support for that. But when they put in a well, they gather the community together and they do all sorts of training with them. So Boniface there on the left, he is the director of the Showers of Blessing program. And Natando on the right there, he's the field officer. And they share in teaching them to um, recognise what is clean, safe water that they can use and what will contaminate water, but also how to look after and manage their wells. And you can see people take notes. This it's a really detailed instruction session and then people are allowed to ask questions and have input and share their experiences together. And there's nearly always this happy dance of joy that they're getting a well in their community. Um, and it's a, a very detailed process from the drilling rig coming. The guys in the community usually really help out with the installation of the um, pipes and the pump and the women often have to carry water to make the cement um, and then they all celebrate when clean water comes out of those. And then Boniface shares again that the maintenance of this well, it's been given to the whole community, it's not just given to the church people, it's given to the whole community and the whole community needs to maintain it. Now I wanted to show you, we've had a few new people join at GMP But Eva has joined. Eva was originally from Uganda and she's come as a program officer and you can see her under the shade of the tree in the blue and white, I think in the middle of that photo top left with a little name tag. 
And she just loved being in Zimbabwe and sharing together. She's done a lot of work with humanitarian aid, but she said when she was at KCV, she said that the house mums really looked on the kids as if they were their own children and the children looked at the mothers as if they were their own mothers. And she said there was beautiful joy um, in that place and she was just really impressed and she was impressed as she um, saw the wells and, and what they were doing there as well. So with Safe Water September, it doesn't just go to Zimbabwe. We've expanded. It goes to Vanuatu so they can have water tanks. The rainfall can, they get a lot of rain, but not always through the whole year. So they need to store water. So we give them rainwater tanks, the cement slab underneath the downpipes, the guttering, everything that goes with that. And sometimes they have to put in a community building because bush roofs don't collect runoff of rain very well. So sometimes it's a building as well. And then in Bangladesh, putting in toilets and they're running workshops to train people how to install a toilet. The government has been very impressed and comes to have a look at these projects um, And Vana was saying he was meeting with a government official this week as well. So he was very excited to be able to make that difference, to have a really safe place for people to go and less disease through that. If people are thinking about doing Safe Water September this year, every year we we do a different drink bottle. There's a new one that's coming out um, for the first 100 who raise $50. There's a free drink bottle. But if you want to, another way to advertise this year, they're doing a beanie as well that you can wear. But the church has to go together and work out how many you want as a group and you do have to buy that one. But that's another way to support Safe Water September as well. Embody is a young people's group. For any young people that are interested in having conversations on mission and justice, they have some beautiful... Um, groups where they meet together and it can be all over Australia. They meet by Zoom and different conversations. But there's also Mission Unplugged where people like Natando have shared their story of what brought them to faith and what they're doing for God and people here in Australia as well. So there's lots of different ways to engage there. They do book clubs and all things. This is the story I was starting to tell you about from Port Hedland. Um, So there was a young man and he was really nervous about COVID and what it would mean. And so somebody in the community suggested to him, why don't you go to the church and talk to them? So he called in at the Aboriginal church that we have at Port Hedland and um, asked for a Bible and they gave him a Bible. And every now and then he'd come back and ask more questions and have um, a bit more encouragement. And he went away and he read that Bible. Five weeks later, he rocks up in church with a towel over his shoulder and he says, can I be baptised because I believe this. And so straight after the church service, they took him down to Pretty Pool and on his confession and prayer of faith in Christ, they baptised him. Now that doesn't happen every week, but I was excited to hear that story that even through COVID and the hard things that are happening, God's at work doing things. We've started a new program called the Pathways Program where young um, Christian Indigenous people who want to go on and grow and be used of God can be mentored by older, experienced Indigenous leaders and that's culturally relevant for them to have ministry opportunities that are relevant for them and to learn in a way because often Indigenous people haven't always had the same level of education 
um, or opportunities in life. And it's where they feel really comfortable and want to serve God. And so some of you may know Sonny and Fran Graham at Esperance. They're hoping that one of those young people may come to Esperance and help out in their church there because they're feeling like they're getting on a bit now. So they've done a really beautiful job of serving God there. When I did the Churches of Christ History and Identity course at Table College with Mark Reeson, um, Peter Barney, the state minister, led one of the sessions and he gave us this challenge. So of all the Churches of Christ ministers in Australia, who is the most well-known? To my mind, it must have been Gordon Sterling or somebody like that. You know, that was the name that leapt to mind. He's going, no, nobody came up with this. He said, it's Sir Doug Nichols, Governor of South Australia, knighted by the Queen, met the Pope, um, this amazing professional athlete in running, boxing, footy. Um, like, he's just done amazing things for his Indigenous community and advocating for them and a church planter and pastor. He's the most well-known, most famous of our Churches of Christ ministers, an amazing godly man. And he made this statement, which I love. We belong to the great family of God and he's made out of one blood all nations. That does my heart good. I like to remember things like we all came through Adam. God made us all through one blood and he loves us all. We belong to this beautiful family of God. This week, as we've already had a reminder, is National Reconciliation Week. And I don't know um, about you, but sometimes you can think, well, it can be hard. How do I connect? What do I do? I want there to be change. How can I make change? For Indigenous people, when I talk to them, most of them just want you to know their history, their story. What has it been like for us growing up in Australia? Now, when I went to school, we heard our history from the white, victorious, conquering viewpoint. Indigenous history, mm, I wouldn't have been able to tell you any, pretty much, of what happened. So, this week, if you would like to, I'm happy to send you this links to Sir Douglas Nichols, and that's got an extra L that I shouldn't have put there because I don't think it's got a double L on the end. Any rate, story, um, 15 minutes. If you would like to listen to his story, that tells you some of the tragedy, um, but also the joy of serving. And there's another one called Off Country. That one you do, it's about $8. You do have to buy that one. Um, also, if you go onto the Indigenous Ministries Australia Facebook page, there's um, things that you'll find there that can keep you connected. Um, Common Grace that we helped to partner with as well did a colouring in competition for kids. So I've got a few of those up the back if anybody is interested in those. But I just today would like to pay my deep respect to the Ghana people who have cared for the land that we meet on and they've been faithful stewards of this corner of God's wonderful creation. We also acknowledge their continuing connection to this land, their language and culture and pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. We pray that together Indigenous and non-Indigenous people will walk together in a journey of listening, learning and friendship. I don't know if you ever meet and chat with Indigenous people but they have some great stories to tell 
and it's lovely to be able to connect and grow together with them. On the back table up there, um, I've got um, a few different things that you can take if you're interested. One of the ways... I haven't talked, I've given you like a tip of an iceberg of things that are happening in mission and there's so many nations and projects I haven't talked about. But um, if you are interested in partnering in any way, um, individually, then we do a subscription, one pledge each month, um, whatever donation amount you choose and then there's an email that comes out with a story of what's happening in mission somewhere in the world. Hopefully in the post you've received our mid-year appeal for those of you who do support. I've got a couple of brochures up there. But really grateful as Mary prayed for the gift of accreditation so that the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade will um, partner with some projects that we offer um, that meet um, their standards. And then it means that we can get full accountability and some extra dollars to go into that. There's also the impact report from our annual report from last year, if you're interested in that, and any pens if you would like to have those. And there's always so much more on the website or if you're on Facebook or Instagram, you'll find so much more there. The change that happens, happens because people like you and me have a heart for those in nations overseas. And so we just wanted to say thank you Um, to Brooklyn Park Church of Christ, you've partnered in a lot of those stories that we've shared today and made those possible. So we're really grateful. God, we give you glory across the earth. People are passionate to see others come to faith. So they'll be at the wedding feast no matter when the invitation comes. Come now, all is ready. Father, may our hearts be right with you. So whenever the day comes and you call us home or you say it's ready, now is the time that we will indeed be living for you, serving passionately in love with you so that others may come with us. For the glory of your name and your kingdom we pray. Amen. We just pray for Val. Lord, we thank you. We have just, just been uh, almost too much to take in this morning. Have we seen picture after picture of the work of Global Mission Partners in Australia and the Pacific and Asia and in Africa. And Val was so enthusiastic about it. Lord, we just ask your Holy Spirit to bless every face we saw on the screen, every church that we heard about. Bless them, Lord. Move our Churches of Christ people, to support the ministry. And Lord, for Val, we thank you for her for her, her enthusiasm for the cause. And she's going, going to retire, but we know you have much for her, for, her for, for, for herself and for her husband Mark and their continuing work at Elizabeth Church of Christ. So bless her future and continue to bless her ministry. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.